I'm Stephanie Cox, and this is Mobile Matters. Today, I'm joined again by Ryan Bonici. Ryan's the Chief Marketing Officer at G2, previously known as G2 Crowd, one of the world's most influential CMOs in 2019, according to Forbes, and a keynote speaker. Prior to G2, he had leadership positions at HubSpot, Salesforce, ExactTarget, and Microsoft. In this episode, Ryan and I are getting real, and I'm talking really real. We're talking all about mental health, being your true authentic self, and the impact that can have on your life and career, as well as hearing Ryan's advice for marketers. It's one of my favorite parts of our conversation because Ryan and I are both sharing a ton from a personal perspective. And make sure you stick around to the end where I'll give my recap and top takeaways. Welcome to the show, Ryan. So one of the things that I, you know, you've started talking a lot about, obviously, is been mental mental health and the role that plays in your life and going to a therapist. And really, you've been open about, about that, which I personally love because I think for a while, you know, there's been a stigma around, you know, talking about that. So for you, why did you decide to start being so forthcoming about what you're going through? Like, What was that kind of journey to that decision to start sharing it more? Yeah, I mean, it was just, that's a great question. I think for me, I just had such a, oh, it was like, I just had, I had overcome so much in therapy that I didn't realize I needed. And I think like coming out the other side um, and I just felt so, I don't know, I felt, I think I felt so re-energized um, and I had seen firsthand just like how valuable therapy could be. Um, and is, and it's not like a, it's not like a, you know, you do it, you solve your problems and you're done, right? <laughs> like the, the, the things that happen when you were a kid and the, you know, the relationships you build with your parents and your family and everything like that kind of, you know, sets in stone some like pretty difficult behaviors to change um, when you start to go down to like, why do I do the things that I do? And so, you know, I still have heaps of challenges every now and then and big things that come up that I need to work through. But if anything, it's just, it's taught me to kind of not, not ignore my feelings and not pretend and tell myself that everything's, everything is okay when it's not. And so, yeah, I, I got so much benefit out of it that I just was so, I felt like a new human being and it was quite like eye opening for me. And so, um, I kind of just wanted to share that. And I mean, you know, for anyone that like follows me on Instagram or something would, would know I, um, I don't really hold back. Um, I'm super authentic. Like I share the happy, crazy moments and I share the sad moments, right? Like I posted a photo of me crying on LinkedIn last week or something after therapy. Um, and it was like happy crying in the sense of like, we worked through some really good stuff, but I was so happy. I was kind of proud of my crying face, which is a weird thing to say, but I was so proud of myself for crying because like, I am just, I typically don't get that in touch with my feelings. And so I don't know. I think I've always been one of those people that like when I have a happy moment or a sad moment or a learning moment, like I, I, I want to share it because um, you get so much like validation from it when people then respond to you and say, you know, I had a day like that yesterday, like, or I started seeing a therapist, you know, last week because I saw what you wrote and it's already been amazing. Thank you. Like that just makes me feel so good because, um, you know, when you look at the stats around mental health, it's something like, something like oh, eight out of 10 people will have, you know, low mental health at some point in their life, right? They will have a depressive episode or an anxiety episode or and by the DSM um, kind of manual for like 
the technicality of what it means, right? Like, you know, we all have like happy days and sad days, but like we'll, you know, most people will have like a, like a depressive um, episode for a period of time at some point in their life or, or, or another kind of mental health condition. And, um, and the craziest thing for me was that, um, a, so it's like such a high number, but then it's such a small number for the people that get help. It's gosh, I, I, butchering these numbers so they're just directionally accurate but you know maybe three out of those eight people will then actually get help but the crazy thing is of those people that get help they the average time to get help is 10 years after the onset of the mental uh, of like that lower mental health condition i want to call like a mental disorder for some reason i'm not sure why but um yeah so it's just bonkers for me and so i think around that time at the start of the year i also joined the board of um a non-profit that was started by glenn close she's the president of the organization it's called bring change to mind um so i'm on the board of directors there and that bring change to mind is all about you know ending the st- oh, excuse me i'm ending the stigma around mental health because we believe that the biggest problem is like the stigma that people have and that's what stops most people from getting help. And so that's where we felt like there was a, a real opportunity in the mental health space to, to drive more impact. And so, yeah, I started getting really active in that. And I think then I started to really want to start sharing my story. Um, and it felt good when I did it the first time. And so, yeah, it kind of reinforced it and helped me to do it more, I guess. Um, and it's really changed my relationship, I think, with, my wife it's changed my relationship with my colleagues my employees my peers at work like i feel like they too come to me and share with me their challenges or if i have a meeting on the calendar that clashes with their therapy session they'll just only tell me like hey i've got therapy then and i've got some stuff going on at home that i really really need to speak to my therapist about so is it okay and i like the fact that they can tell me that versus like you know tr- pull a sickie or or cancel their therapy more importantly like that would be the worst i would hate to be doing that for them and you know i don't Mm -hmm. let my work get in the way of my health for both my body as well as for my mind and so um yeah i want to be open about that i think that your point around like stigma is part of the reason why a lot of people feel nervous about sharing it is not just how people are going to react to it because i do think you know thinking back to like my parents generation it was a very taboo subject and so you know, that has carried on a, a little bit. So I love hearing about organizations and people that are trying to make it just really open and transparent because it does impact so many people. I know like for me, um, one of the things that a lot of people don't know is I actually had a brain tumor five years ago and had to have a crane. Wow. Yeah. And had to have a craniotomy and like super, Yeah. Super thankful, benign, which was really great, but it was like a super stressful time. And I know that one of the things when, when I told people, and I didn't tell a lot of people, um, cause you know, when that stuff happens, it happens pretty, it happens pretty fast. And there's a, they typically don't let you wait very long once they find out you have one (laughs) before you have to have surgery. But one of the things that was really hard for me, I know is like this few people that I did tell, um, their reactions to it. Because, you know, and I, yeah. it was kind of like, oh, like they didn't know what to say. You know, they start to have, you know, you could kind of see like in their eyes, like, oh my gosh, how do I respond to this? Like, is she going to be yeah. the same person <laughs> when she wakes up? Like that type of stuff. Um, which is why, like for me, I know, like I just stopped, like I just stopped telling people after that um, and really don't talk about it a ton because even if you tell someone five years later, you know, it's, 
yeah, it's like a war wound I went through. But if I didn't tell you, you wouldn't notice that, you know, from me today. And so I think for me, you know, even with that example, which is a different related to mental health, um, since it involves the brain, but also different is, you know, why can't people just be super accepting and, you know, supportive of what you're going through and realize that, you know, you're going to end up no matter, you know, kind of what you're going through a better person in the end and not to have such these strong, like strong reactions around it, because I think it makes people then afraid to share and afraid to be like their true authentic self when that's really, I know like what I would rather get from people. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And I think it just like, you know, it kind of changes like by having one conversation at a time, right. And, mm-hmm. and allowing folks uh, like, and, and I think by just doing it and doing what you want them to do, right. So by me being vulnerable and sharing my challenges has meant that folks have done that back to me because they know that, you know, I'm a safe space. They can do that. Um, and, um, yeah, that's been, I think that's been really, that's kind of, it's truly fundamentally changed kind of my relationship to work and my colleagues at a really deep level for me. And so, um, yeah, I think I kind of view people and myself less about like their results at work and more about like, they are a whole person. There are so many facets and layers to them. Um, and I think I'm more compassionate with others because I'm, I'm more compassionate with myself, right? And that's the reality where it comes down to. Like whenever someone is angry at someone else, it's because they're angry at themselves for probably the same thing that that person did and they're deflecting or kind of like focusing on what someone else did because they are so ashamed by that themselves in themselves and they hate that part of themselves so they push it elsewhere. And, I mean, that was so true for me. And so, um, you know, I think it's been it's just been life-changing. It sounds really like woo-woo to say life-changing, but it really has. No, and I I totally get that because sometimes I think just being more of yourself and realizing that that causes other people to be more of who they really are. And you can have then, I think, real connections to me is like where the magic really happens. So thinking about this idea of being constantly connected and, you know, obviously social media while there are so many wonderful, wonderful things about it, not everyone is as authentic as you are on social media. And a lot of times you see just the good times, right? And these perfect, you know, Instagram-esque type photos and videos. How do you think that combined with, you know, we're constantly being marketed to as consumers and seeing, you know, like 10,000 plus messages a day. How is all of that influencing, you know, the us as individuals, our mental health and our ability to be able to like disconnect our minds and focus on absolutely nothing to actually recharge. Because one of the things that for me, I didn't know until I went through everything that I did medically was that your brain actually doesn't heal unless you sleep and rest. And a lot of times you can work, you know, you could be, you know, working a ton. And if you aren't getting enough sleep, or no matter what you're doing, right, uh, your brain doesn't have time to truly recoup. So as we're constantly on our phones or constantly on our computers or TVs, et cetera, all of that is maxing out our brain capacity, even when I'm just like binging Netflix and doing nothing else. Um, how do you think about like the impact that technology, marketing, social media has all had on individuals and how that's driving potentially some of these mental health issues that we're seeing today? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I think for the technology piece, we kind of touched on that, right? In the sense that I think, you know, it can it can definitely 
I mean, there's no better device to give you an illicit, you know, those little pops of serotonin and dopamine than a mobile phone buzzing, right? You know, we feel needed, we feel wanted, we feel loved, we feel like cared about, people are texting me, et cetera. Um, or if it's work-related, right? Like if I respond to this person, I will swipe that off my to-do list nice and quickly. I'm crushing my job. Um, so again, with the technology piece, kind of like I said before, I think ultimately you just really need to be intentional about, you know, how you like control your devices versus allowing your, con- your devices to control you. Um, so I think that's the, the technology part. I mean, to the social network side of the house, like again, um, you know, I, I kind of sit on the fence here and that like, I don't think it's their fault, right? Like I think that ultimately humans like want to avoid dealing with hard issues and social media, TV, etc., anything really like drugs, alcohol, food, if it takes you away from, you know, being present and working through what you've got to work through, it's, it's not good for you. Exercise even can be that, right? Like, you know, everyone thinks of exercise as a good thing, but actually if you are using exercise to stop yourself from like accessing emotions or like that's the way you get out, you know, like anxious energy, um, it's always going to kind of function as a band aid. Whereas like if you actually learn to, accept the anxiety, sit with the anxiety, you, you would get less anxiety. <laughs> you would learn to, to, to work through it. Um, and that's not to say that the running piece shouldn't be additive to that, but you know, we're, we, we love a good quick fix. Um, and so I think social media is no different really, because when it's, you know, people will scroll and en- endlessly and, you know, naturally they are incentivized to give you more of what you want. And if you keep scrolling, you know, you're telling them you want more. And so, I don't know. I, I struggle with kind of that in terms of, you know, their role to play in that. Um, and then on the marketing side, I mean, again, you know, as a marketer, I don't, and, and I've been predominantly B2B marketing, right? So, you know, when you're marketing um, business products to, to people that work in businesses, you know, you're, you're t- the, the value prop that they get out of the thing is quite different, right? It's, it's way less connected to their core identity as a human. Um, Whereas business to consumer products, on the other hand, right, like the way they market is to um, to kind of like your anxieties oftentimes or your dreams, right? And so I think that's where mm-hmm. I struggle because I, like, l- let me give you an example. So like I follow Kim Kardashian because I'm just like fascinated by that family and what they've created. They are just, wow, what, I mean, don't necessarily agree and or like all of it, but wow, like impressive as anything ever and you know she launched her kim what's it called it was called kimono i think at one point and then the cultural cultural appropriation folks called her out and she changed it then to skims um and i feel so torn because you know i watch these she posts videos and you know i'll give her credit in that she uses totally different models of different body sizes different skin colors of different hair colors of the all all the people are in these ads and they are all beautiful in different ways, which I love, but I struggle because like at the core of it though, I think like it's telling you that your body isn't right the way it is and you should change that. And that shits me to tears. And I am not even a like woman that this is targeting and it offends me because I feel so shit that like women are make are being felt shit about these things. And 
you know, you know, she launched, I think like a month before that, like her body makeup line, like who the, f- like seriously, yep. like are we telling kids that they should be putting makeup on their bodies now? That is insane. And, you know, did she use like all different kinds of models, etc.? Yes. But I think that just kind of plays to insecurities. And I just, I really feel like, and maybe this is like too high horse of me, but I feel like there needs to be like better ethics around marketing and advertising, especially in the consumer space. Like when I was in London recently, I saw an ad which literally said like, should your, like, do you wish your boobs were one size bigger? Like, and it was a plastic surgery ad. And I've never seen that in Australia or America. And I'm guessing that that's probably because there are some rules around like, um, how the health sector can advertise potentially, or maybe, maybe not. I, I don't know, but I'd never seen that before. And it just shocked me because, you know, I didn't, I didn't love that. And so, um, yeah, I think there is a bit of a responsibility to play there, but um, it's tough. No, I, similar. So thinking back to your career, what is some advice that you wish new marketer, you would give to a new marketer just getting ready to start out in their career? Um, Okay. Let me try and give like three concise things. So the first would, the first thing that I would say is um, around interviewing. And I think it's so important. Like one thing that I am really, I I pride myself, I think is that this is like a skill that I am very good at is like when I'm interviewing (laughs) a company to work for them, I find most of the time I am interviewing the company versus the company is interviewing me to join them. Um, And so, so I really, and what I mean by that is like, I really want to understand like what makes my boss tick, what makes the CEO tick, what makes the company tick, what are our like long-term visions? What are our challenges? Who is the leadership team? Where is our product at? Like I really want to understand it really in a really lot of detail to the point where I oftentimes before I, when I'm interviewing, I'll ask a company to give me access to their GA, their Google Analytics data um, so that or, or like any data basically that they're willing to give me so that I can do a bit of like an audit and see like where there are opportunities. And so I think that's like an important lesson for young marketers in the sense of like really get to know the business that you're in, not just what you're doing. If you're an email marketer, don't just get to know email, get to know email, do email well, but now get to know social media and blogging channels. And because once you learn about these other channels and you have broader context of the broader business challenge, then you can start to drive impact in ways that no one is asking you. And that's how you ultimately get promoted really quickly. It's like you do your job, you do your job well, you hit your goals, and then you start to kind of explore the business and get to know what other challenges are are people facing. And then you can, if you've got enough experience, start to inject ideas to them where you can help them out. Um, So that'd be my first one. So that was a big one, a long one. Um, The second one would be around... my second one would be my second one I think would be around like the importance of learning how to manage up. So, mm-hmm. you know, I've always felt like for the majority of my career, um, and gosh, if my bosses, any of them listen to this, they'll be like, Oh, he's such a douchebag. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> I feel like I manage them as much as they manage me. Like I manage up. And what I mean by that is I'm, you know, I'm super solution focused. So I'll like tell them what I want to do and I'll put a plan together and I'll show them how we'll get there. Um, so, and I'm very like proactive in telling them when I need more budget or more headcount or, or whatnot. So I, I really try and keep my boss in the loop. I really try and communicate up properly. Um, and I'm super open with them. This is the other kind of key of managing up is like, I don't think, I think I tell, I have told all of my bosses, 
shit that none of their other direct reports would have the guts to say. So I will, and and I and I and I say this with a bit of trepidation in that you know I'm sure and I know for a fact I have many times gone over the line where you know my input is not needed, but. I'm really passionate. I care about what I do at work. I care about my boss. I care about my career and I want our team to do the best it can. And if there are people that aren't pulling their weight in other areas, like I will call that out because um, if I can do a better job, give me that responsibility, like put their team under me and let me, and, and let me show you me do it. And so I would just say managing up is something that people don't do enough of. And there are so many little ways you can do if you don't want to do it just exactly how I said in the sense of, talking back to your boss or like telling them you need more money. Like you could also just a simple way is, you know, getting into a really good habit of at the start and end of the week at the start, tell your manager like what you're working on that week in three bullets and like what you're going to accomplish. And at the end of the week, reply back to your email and say, like, did you get them done? Didn't you get them done? Um, Because, you know, Yes, like your manager might ignore that, but most likely they won't if you keep it short and sweet. And they'll love that you are keeping them more in the loop than all of their other directs. And then they'll come to you and they need help because they will believe and know that you're a reliable person and you'll get promoted faster. And, it, you know, it helps you, it helps the company, it helps your boss, it helps everyone. And so, so yeah, my first one was um, what I mentioned. And then the second one was um, managing up. And then I think maybe like the third one is really like it's as corny as as hell but like dream really kind of big i think um you know nothing makes me more happier than you know when i hire a new person on my team or when i'm interviewing someone for a junior role on my team and they tell me you know in five years in 10 years they want my job like or they want to be a cmo like i love that that is so awesome and i think not enough people do that you know tell their boss what they want to do next where they want to go um, and that might be in the company you're at or that might be outside. But uh, if you're really good at your job and you're delivering for the company, your boss is invested in helping you grow how you deserve. And that might be at the company, that might be elsewhere. Um, and so that's like a big one for me, I think. Like I did it, it worked for me. And um, and the folks on my team that like tell me what they want and their big dreams is great because then I can actually say to them okay wow that is a really ambitious goal but hey like if you were going to get there this is what you would have to do and i might and i'll lay it out for them maybe and i'd say like i don't know if this is going to be possible but give it a whirl like go for it um and what that might be like what i might say to them let's say an example was um um i don't know say some you know we hired an email marketing manager or something and they're like hey i want to be the head of demand gen in two years you know i'd be like okay well wow like if you want to get there like Let's work back from this. Okay, our, our revenue goal is, you know, $100 million for the year. And um, right now, email is driving 10 of those million dollars. Like if you went, if I was going to promote you to run all of the management, like you would need to like 4X these email numbers if they're already really good or 10X them or something, you know, and if you can get there or show me, you know, a really meaningful way to get there or get close to that, like then I'll give you the, the intermittent step of, you know, a director of this and then I'll give you some new goals and we'll work from there. But you know, it's not easy to move up that quickly, right? And I, and I think if you if you are open and honest with folks about that and, and help them understand that they don't get promoted just for doing their job, they get promoted for exceeding their job because um, they are paid to do their job. That is literally why you were paid. Exactly. Um, you know, I think sometimes like Gen Y especially are bloody millennials and I'm one of them, but we are the freaking worst. Like so much like expectation and so much entitlement without a lot of like grit and actual hustle. And so, um, yeah, I, I think I try and 
like that, that would be my, my third piece of sort of advice for young marketers wanting to grow in their career. There are so many great insights from my conversation with Ryan that can really transform how you think about your own life as well as your career. Let's dive into my top three takeaways. First, the stigma around mental health needs to continue to change, and individuals like Ryan who are so open with their own mental health is exactly what will help the stigma change. What I loved hearing about Ryan's story was how many other people felt like they could now share their story with him or go to a therapist for the first time because he helped them see that others go through it too. Talk about having a major impact that he's making in the lives of others by just being honest with what he's going through. I also loved hearing his honest truth about how therapy isn't going to immediately solve your problems. You don't go once and you're done. It takes time to uncover what experiences in your life have caused you to have certain behaviors. Next, how often are all of us using technology as a way to get out of dealing with what's really going on in our lives? Think about how many times you aimlessly scroll on LinkedIn, Instagram to prevent tackling a challenging project or conversation. Or how many times you binge on Netflix rather than doing something else? Now, don't get me wrong. I love Instagram, LinkedIn, and Netflix as much as the next person, but we can often treat them as crutches in our lives, and we need to be honest with ourselves about why we're really using technology and watch how much time we spend on it. Finally, Ryan's three pieces of advice to marketers are so spot on. I can't tell you how many people don't look at a job interview as a time when you're interviewing the company just as much, if not more than they're interviewing you. Plus I loved how he's asking for access to Google analytics accounts so he can see what's really going on with their business. And he's also completely right about being able to manage up. The most successful leaders I know have mastered this skill because they're not just focused on succeeding at work, but making sure their boss is succeeding as well, which is typically why they tend to get promoted so quickly. But my favorite piece of advice he gave was around dreaming big and figuring out a plan to make your dreams become reality. I know so many people that want to grow in their careers, but they're not focused on a plan to make that happen. And as Ryan said, you don't get promoted for doing your job. You get promoted for exceeding expectations in your job. I'm Stephanie Cox, and you've been listening to Mobile Matters. If you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Until then, be sure to visit Lumivate.com and subscribe to get more access to thought leaders, best practices, and all things mobile.